jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, but he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We've got a lot to get to on today's show, but no guests lined up. So we want to hear from you. 315-437-7644. That's our phone number. We have a text number that we discovered late last week. We'll get to that. We have a voicemail from the weekend, and we we will get to that uh, later in the show. But the text number, if you care to text us, 315-288-0644. We're going to talk some SU football on the show today. First big uh, big scrimmage, rather, of the preseason held over the weekend behind closed doors. So we'll we'll discuss what was told to us uh, from head coach Dino Babers. He addressed the media afterwards. We'll uh, we'll get into take it uh, with a grain of salt. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into some SU football, uh, the scrimmage and otherwise. We'll talk some basketball. Carmelo Anthony expected to finally make it official today and sign on with the Houston Rockets. Sign on. For a reserve role, he's expected to come off the bench next season for the Rockets. We'll get into that. But we begin with the sport of golf, one of your favorite topics, Seth. Oh, yeah. And I know that that you don't watch much golf week in and week out. But yesterday, it was the final round of the PGA Championship. Final round of the final major of the year. Yep. And uh, Tiger Woods was in the mix. So. I could not take my eyes okay. off the screen. So that answers my question. I was going to ask you how much you watched. I put it on at, uh, I don't know, 3, 3.30, and I was watching the rest of the afternoon. I could I could not stop watching. I, I was uh, I was amazed by it, honestly. Uh, and it let's be honest, it speaks to Tiger Woods, right? It speaks to him and that story and uh, the, the greatness that it was, what, 10, 15 years ago? And the incredible nature of his own downfall right and and his own creation of this downfall um but i could not stop watching yesterday i i could not change the channel i could not take my eyes off of it um you know i i thought i would go to something else at some point you know and uh netflix or or some or or something and and i never did i i never went to that next option um I could not stop watching as Tiger was missing fairway left and right, but still managed to go under par on the front nine and and hit incredible shot after incredible shot. I, I thought he was going to win, and I could not turn it off. If he if I thought he was going to win, I couldn't turn it off. Did not hit a fairway on the front nine, as you alluded to. That's something he's he certainly got to figure out. But but even as, I mean, as, as poorly as he drove the ball, he was in position uh, to win. There were three things that stood out to me from this week and, and from yesterday in particular, and, and I guess let's start with with that, the fact that he was in contention, because you know, I was of the belief, you know, when his life blew up and you know, he 
he took a leave of absence from the game and and got divorced and had all the personal problems and and yes he was battling injuries as well. I was of the belief for a long time that it's just a matter of time. Tiger will figure it out. He will get back to being Tiger Woods at some point. And I don't know, maybe three years ago, I just I, I was you like, didn't I, think so I, I, right? Yeah, I'm I'm out on Tiger Woods. He's 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 never going to win another major. Um, and the fact that he not only this week but at the British Open as well, he was in the mix on Sunday at a major. He was more than in the mix this week, I would say. Like, oh, right. I mean, like he. He played well enough to win. Like, I, I don't know that he did at the British Open. He kind of fell apart at the end. But, like, he played well enough to win yesterday. And it was just like Brooks Kepka was just, like, out in front and didn't care, right? And 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 just did not care who was chasing him down. He wasn't afraid of him. He, he wasn't, you know, he heard the roars. But he, he just kept kind of going and was this calm, steady player, you know? And I, I think that, and, and I don't, I think this is where you're going here. But I think the last three weeks, to me, have said Tiger will win again. Right, it's just a matter of when now, not if. Like four weeks ago, six months ago, more than that. Like I didn't think he was going to win another major. I thought it was a long shot. Like I think over the last month we've kind of seen. Like no, he's probably going to win again. And now I think it's a matter of when. Okay, and, and yes, I think he will win a tournament again. I th- to to say that it's it's not a matter of if with the majors, but when. I think. We have to dial it back just a touch and keep in mind he is 42 years old and the majors are done this year. By the time they tee it up at Augusta next April, he will be 43 years old. He has not shown us that he could stay healthy. He seems healthy right now. Now, if there was another major in three weeks from now, I would say, you know, he's got a really good chance to win. Vegas odds makers, for what it's worth, have put him in a 12 to 1 uh, odds of winning next year. I think second only to Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth considered the favorite at this point to win next year's uh, Masters, and, and Tiger is right behind him. Um, I say in the mix because he, he never did pull even, um, right. but he was, he was right there. And, and as we all know, Tiger's never won a major coming from behind on Sunday, but he gave it his best shot. He was within one shot at one point of tying for the lead. Never did pull even, and Brooks Kepka uh, was was terrific down the stretch. And, and Tiger's you know tee shot on 17, that kind of did him in. He needed a birdie that hole to give himself a chance, uh, and uh, it had to settle for par. Did birdie 18, but it wasn't enough at the end of the day. So the fact that he was in contention and has been in contention at the last two majors on Sunday, that means that signals to me that and maybe I'm not willing to go quite as far as you where you say he's going to win again. We know that. It's just a matter of when. I think, all right, it's possible now because I, I wrote him off. A couple of years ago, I said, all right, I'm done. Tiger's never getting back to, to where he was. He's never winning another major. Um, I think it's it's a distinct possibility now. So I will say right. that. Now, uh, clarification on something you said, and, and this is nitpicking probably. Is getting back to where he was and winning a major the same thing? Okay. Because, because and, and I... I know that I'm nitpicking, but like he was at such this crazy dominant point. Right. Like winning a major yes. isn't getting back to what he was, right? I didn't mean it like that. No, no, no. I I'm, didn't. I didn't mean dominant Tiger. I meant getting back to where he was. In that you knew he was going to be in contention every week, right? I mean, he yes. just he just was. That's that was Tiger's game. Every tournament he played in, virtually every tournament he played in, he was in the mix. That's what I meant in terms of you know being a threat again. Okay, getting back to where he was. Um, certainly not going to go back to to being dominant Tiger. Certainly not at the age of forty two, and and with the, all the injuries and everything he's been to, been through. 
I just meant getting back to being a threat on Sundays, right. being a threat at these big tournaments, not being surprised when he's in contention, but just expecting it's, it's a major, it's a big tournament. You know, Tiger's going to be in the top ten, and you know, if a few putts go in, you know, he may win the thing. Um, that's the way it was week in and week out, and and you know, to go back to. And I had to remind myself of this the other day. I was, you know, doing my sportscast for Channel Nine, and it occurred to me like he hasn't won a major since June of two thousand eight. That is more than ten years. Yeah, like I know it seems like a while. It if you ask me like gut reaction, like if I hadn't stopped to think about it and say, "Wow, it's been more than ten years." That was the U.S. Open with the uh, extra day playoff, right? With with Rocco, Rocco right? Yeah. Um, and oh, by the way, the PGA Championship yesterday most watched. PGA Championship since 2009 when, when Tiger was involved in the, the final round battle with Y.A. Yang. He ended up losing that, um, but Tiger was involved. And it, it and it's just, it's it's surprising to think, wow, it has been more than 10 years since he has won a major. So to say that it's just a matter of when, I'm not sure it's a matter of when, but he's he's going to be a threat again. He is a threat again. I think he yes. established that over the course of the last you know month or two. He's going to be a threat again. Yes, I, I think there's no doubt about that. I, I think that he's a a big time player again. He you know he's he's in the fold in any tournament that he plays in. I would imagine that he's played his way onto the Ryder Cup right as as one of the the captain's picks. I would think so. I would think he has. I would think so. So, so um, that'll make one more fun golf weekend, because I know that's always intense and, and interesting. And he made it clear at the he end of his round yesterday that he wa- he wants yeah. to be on the team. Exactly. So my guess is, he, assuming he stays healthy, my guess is he He's gets on the team. On the team. Yeah. Um, now, but we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Now, Steve, I, I know I've brought this up with you before, and I, I, I think that we saw it yesterday, and we'll see it now moving forward, now that Tiger has, has put together a couple of good majors back-to-back. And this is the reaction of these people who grew up watching Tiger, now having to play against him, and would they get freaked out the way that other people did when they were watching Tiger growing up. And I thought that this was pretty interesting uh, from Michael Collins on ESPN. Uh, He was on with Golick and Wingo earlier today and and talked about this. Brooks Kepka sees Tiger's name going up the leaderboard like he's coming to get him, and everyone from back in the day who Tiger lovers like, yeah, Tiger's going to scare these old dudes. That intimidation dude is back. He's going to get them. And Brooks is like, hey, bro, it's pretty cool, bro. This is awesome. Come get me, yo. See what you can do. Like, don't, I, I find this this part of it very interesting. Like, are these are these guys going to get scared the way that people did 15 years ago? Because no. that was like a legitimate part of Tiger, right? Where he would just be getting close and people would just fall apart. And I, I don't think that's happening with these guys. And I'm curious to see how that... How that plays itself out and, and how that changes Tiger, right? Because that's got to change something about what he does, you know, moving forward if, if he doesn't have that crazy intimidation factor. The the short answer to your question is no. He's not going to get that intimidation factor back again. Um, it's a lot like Mariano Rivera, right? When Mariano Rivera came into a game in the ninth inning with a one-run lead, you knew the game was over. And back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, when Tiger Woods had the lead on Sunday or went into Sunday with a share of the lead— you knew you were done. And so we have never seen Tiger come from behind on Sunday at a major to win. Um, I do think, you know, I'm not surprised by Brooks Kepka's reaction that, you know, it was cool. He grew up, you know, uh, idolizing Tiger. A lot of these younger golfers grew up idolizing Tiger. And to battle it out with Tiger Woods on Sunday at a major, that has to be cool. Was right. he afraid? I Obviously, he was not. He was, you know, a cool customer. And... 
you know, it might have been different. Yesterday might have played out differently if Brooks Kepka was in Tiger's group. That's what I was going to say. Because I do think that, you know, maybe then the fact that it's him against everyone and the gallery is, you know, pulling for Tiger. You know, Brooks Kepka got to play in the in the group behind Tiger with Adam right. Scott, and nobody, I don't want to say nobody was paying attention nobody to him, was paying attention but everybody to was paying attention to Tiger, and the galleries were following Tiger, and the roars were following Tiger, and the chants of, let's go Tiger, and and, and that, by the way, is something else I want to get to, but it, but I wonder if it would have played out differently if Brooks Kepka was in his group. Right. The fact that he was able to kind of fly under the radar, being a leader, you know, leading a, a major on Sunday, it's hard to fly under the radar. But if you can do it, I think Brooks Kepka did it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, um, he managed to. So he's never going to get back the intimidation factor that he once had. Um, but I think he's he's certainly in the mix again. As for the the crowds and and what we saw yesterday, th- this is something that that struck me as well as I'm watching this. You know, you go back to to when Tiger's life blew up, and he admitted to countless affairs, and then he goes through his divorce, and he goes through you know the leave of absence from golf, and all the injuries, and then 16 months ago he you know has the the spinal fusion, and then shortly thereafter he has the you know the DWI where he's got alcohol in the system and and prescription drugs in his system, and and it just reminded me we are such a forgiving society. That he issues a public apology, and there was a time where not many people like Tiger Woods. In the game, outside the game, fans of the game, fellow players, not many people like Tiger Woods. But you apologize, and enough time goes by, and now he's become the underdog to some degree, if you can believe that. And yesterday... You know, I saw somebody on Twitter, one of the writers covering it, compared to a rock concert. He said, this is a rock concert right now in St. Louis. And it just reminds me of what a forgiving society we are. And, you know, like with, with steroids, like I, I related back to, you know, there were so many villains with, with steroids and baseball. But if you apologize, if you're like Andy Pettit or you're good. Jason Giambi, you apologize, yeah. you show remorse, and then a few, you know, a little time goes by and... Oh, we're all good now. Steve, even if you don't, like, like, look at what happened to Barry Bonds this weekend. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> because I had mentioned something before the show. Yeah. But he, he had his number retired, and it was like a love fest. Like, there was no mention of every, of anything. And, like, it, it was just funny. Like, it was just weird to me. Like, no mention of anything. Like not, And I, I don't mean from the Giants. I expect nothing from the Giants. But, like, fans. And, and so, I think the ultimate story, the, the ultimate point that, that you're making, we love a redemption story. Right? Like, we, we love the comeback story. We love the story of this guy who was great, who had everything in the world, who didn't need to do anything else for the rest of his life, and was already going to be one of, if not the greatest golfer of all time, and the greatest athlete in his sport ever. And everything falls apart. And he could have easily just gone away. Right? He could have just gone away, not talked to anybody ever again. He could have gone into just this remote, sol- silent place and, and left life alone. And we never could have heard from him again, except for like that big interview fluff TV piece 10 years down the road, which I guess would be coming up about now. And we would finally hear from him. And he can never play golf again. We would never have to hear from him. Instead, we're hearing from him all the time. He's trying to come back and he looks terrible. He looks like any other golfer who's going out there and hacking it. And we're finally seeing it pay off, right? Like we're finally seeing that pay off to the point where he's close to something of what he was 
10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I think that ultimately it just means we love redemption stories. We, we do. love this comeback story. We do as a society. And I can't explain the Barry Bonds thing um, because personally, I, I don't feel warm and fuzzy about no. Barry Bonds. Personally, I don't feel warm and fuzzy about Roger Clemens. Um, you know, you go on down the list of the guys who, you know, vehemently denied their role with steroids and didn't Raphael do it. Palmera. And, and got like, you know, you go back to like Roger Clemens' story and, you know, I, Oh, Andy Pettit misremembered. Like he, he said things that just simply did not make sense. Barry Bonds, the same thing. I don't have warm and fuzzy feelings for for those guys. But how often do we see, you know, Lance Armstrong? No, no warm and fuzzy feelings for him. No. Okay, but but guys who mess up, apologize, and then a little time goes by. I mean, we see it. We see it all the time. Jason Giambi was interviewing for a manager's job before he retired. We like see was, it all the there time. There was somebody willing to put him in charge. He had rehabbed his his image enough that before he even quit playing, somebody was willing to put him in charge. And you know, you you hear about Tiger yesterday high fiving fans from one green to the next tee box. Can you imagine him doing that ten years ago? No. Not at all. He has kind of become like Phil Mickelson, right? I mean, Phil is the he's the people's champ, and he you know he talks to the gallery as he's playing, and and that was never Tiger. Tiger was laser focused. Tiger was hit a bad shot, he'd you know shout obscenities even with the TV cameras rolling. He you know was not nice to fellow players. He ignored the gallery. That is not Tiger anymore. Tiger has turned into Phil Mickelson. From from yeah. that regard, in terms of you know he's he's the he's the guy that people he's the fan favorite he's the guy that people root for, and and he people always used to root for him, but now he is reciprocating that and he is showing his love back to the fans and that was never Tiger Woods right right and I, I think that the most incredible shot of the weekend the most incredible shot of the day really is that last one that we saw of Tiger Woods when he he's walking over this bridge to get from 18th green to the to the clubhouse and the scoring room and whatever and there's just like a literally a million people standing around the 18th green waiting for him and you just watch and it's like he won it, right like it's it reminded me of it reminded me of after Wimbledon, when they they take the winner out to like this this balcony and you just have every fan who's there standing there and it and it's supposed to be the winner holding up the trophy and like Tiger Woods is the guy who's walking across waving as just hundreds of thousands of people are sitting there while there's golf going on. Like there are other people coming down the 18th fairway to play that hole and nobody cares because Tiger Woods is walking across. And I think it goes to this point of like he's just rehabbed this his image to this crazy like this crazy height that like people love him. I know exactly the shot you're talking about. Tiger is—he's like above everyone. He's yep. on this bridge, going into the scores tent to sign his scorecard. All these fans are cheering for him. He turns around, he acknowledges the fans. You know, takes off his his hat, it waves to the fans, smile on his face. Tiger Woods just finished second at a major. Can you ever remember Tiger Woods with a smile on his face and acknowledging the crowd after finishing second no. at a major? Times no. have changed. We do have to take our first time out, but we'd love to hear from you at 315-437-7644. We're back after this on Orange Nation. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Jumper on the way. Good. Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. 
If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered. Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. Now, the penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio, 315-437-7644. No guests lined up for you. So we want to hear from you, and we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk some SU football as we kick off hour number two. And, and it's something I brought up on the show last week, Seth, and then we kind of got sidetracked, and we never really discussed it all that much and, and got away from it. But you go back to when Dino Babers was was first hired and first arrived on campus. Remember what the the preseason expectations were for fans. A lot of a lot of people called into the show and around town said to us, "Just want to see them improve, be better. Just want them to be better." You know, Scott Schaefer finished his tenure here going three and nine, then four and eight. Just be better, whatever that means. Whether it means more wins, it just it, better product on the field. And you know, the up tempo offense. Let's see it in action. Let's see it. And and we did. We saw that. The first year, and it it felt better than the four and eight from the year before that you know that Scott Schaefer uh, guided. And okay, fine, four and eight in Dino Babers' first year, and he promised us things would get better in year number two, and things did seem to get better in year number two, although the record did not get better. A lot of our listeners, same thing going into last year, just see improvement, and I think we saw some improvement. November went the same way; twenty sixteen went no wins in November. They finished four and eight, so same record, but a win over Clemson, and it felt like all right, this thing's moving in the right direction. My question to our listeners today is: that still your feeling going into year number three? Now, does that still satisfy you as a fan? If this team were to go four and eight and show improvement, although I'm not quite sure how you can show improvement upon last year and still go four and eight, but let's let's. For the sake of argument, say you pull off two big upsets this year, and you still go through injuries, and you finish four and eight. Are you are you satisfied, or do you expect more? Should you expect more in year three with Dino Babers as the head coach, year four of Eric Dungy as the starting quarterback, and that excuse of well, you know he's he's coaching, you know another coach's guys, right? These are Scott Schaefer's guys. There are still some Scott Schaefer players in the system, but for the most part, that you can't really use that as an excuse anymore. This is, I mean, for the most part, these are Dino Babers guys. Yeah. And even if they were recruited by Scott Schaefer, the fact that Babers has been here going on his third year now, it kind of makes them Dino Babers guys. I agree with you. No, I, I don't think that the just be better than last year thing is, is applicable anymore. And I know that I... I said that last year when we were doing this show, when we were getting ready for the season. I said, hey, I don't care if you're 4-8 again. Just prove to me that you're a better team at the end of the year than you were at the beginning of the year. And and I think last year they did that, right? Like, I, I think despite the scores, like I, th- I think that you would say, for the most part, like last year's team was better at the end of the year well, than they were at the beginning of the year. It's because they had the la- injuries. Right? Yeah, throughout the last three games. Were they, the, were, they were better at the end of October than they than were at they the were beginning th- of the year. Right, yes, yes. exactly. And 
I don't think that you. I, I don't think that people will be satisfied with that this year. I, I don't think that that's enough this year to just be better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. Because I think that it's it's like time to go get some wins, right? It's like it's time to go get more wins than you had last year. It's time to go make that push towards six wins and a bowl game. And I, I think that that's where. I think that that's where we're going to be sitting. I, I think that that's where fans are going to be, and I, I think that's going to be the feeling around this program. It's not enough in year three. It's not enough with your own players, with your own system uh, in place for this long. It's not enough to just win four games again and say, well, I think at the end of the year we're better. Like, I think you need tangible improvement this year. Like, actual, I can point to that and say that I am one win better. I am two wins better. I am three wins better than I was last year. I, I think. You I need think so that. as well. I think so as well. I, I'd love to hear from our listeners though, um, because we, you know we're not looking at this like fans. We're looking at this like you know we cover the team and it feels like it is now time for this program to to win more games. And if they truly are turning the turning the corner, it feels like they're turning the corner. I don't know as if they can improve. And still be four and eight. Like there was definitely room to improve upon, you know, from 2016 to 2017. It was the same record, but it did feel like the program got better. Yes. I don't know how you would feel like you got better. I mean, they beat Clemson last year. Like, right. can they still go four and eight? And can you still feel like you you got better? I don't think are, so. Are two of your wins Florida State and Clemson? Right. I mean, and then why did you, you know, why did then you why lose? Why did you lose other everything? Games? But right. every other game except for two. Like what happened? Now you know you could say well there were injuries, but now even the you know the Eric Dungey excuse is off the board to some degree, to a large degree. Now you got Tommy DeVito behind right. him. You've you got somebody there, so you're not you're not so reliant on Eric Dungey being healthy. It doesn't necessarily you know if Eric Dungey gets hurt, you could still win games. I, right. I think I do too. And in the last two years, last three years, they were not capable of that. When Eric Dungey went out, they were they were not capable of winning without him. I think they can win without him now. now. You would much prefer he stays healthy, obviously. But if he doesn't, I think you you still have the ability to win games. So that's I, I, I just throw the question out there because I don't think we're going to get the same answers this year. And I could be wrong, but I don't think the fan base as a whole is going to feel good and satisfied with four and eight again. No, I don't either. With one upset, you know, they beat Virginia Tech the first year, they beat Clemson last year. If you pull off another huge upset this year, say you beat Notre Dame, you know, down at Yankee Stadium, and you still finish four and eight, are you gonna feel satisfied? No. I don't think so. No, I, I don't I totally agree with you. I, I don't think that you are satisfied as a Syracuse fan or or as as somebody within the program. I don't think you're satisfied going four and eight again. Going four and eight for a third straight season, not having another step forward, right? Because okay, so you beat Notre Dame, like congratulations, like you know what? I, I don't know, like what? Well, what's that do for you, right? Like that? That isn't the same as what you did last year. That doesn't help you in the same way that beating Clemson last year does. So no, I I, I think that you need legitimate, tangible uh, improvement over last year. I think you need wins. I think you need. More wins, I think you need to, almost you need to go to a bowl game and and have that tangible improvement and buy in from people heading it's year three and I think that there are going to be people who are 
very much ready for this program to take a step forward. You say, what would a win over Notre Dame do for you? It is a marquee win on national TV over you know a, a program that has you know some some cachet to it. So, and then you'd be able to point to recruits and say, well. Beat Virginia Tech in year one, they were nationally ranked. Beat Clemson in year two, they were nationally ranked. Beat Notre Dame in year three, presumably be nationally ranked. But, but Notre I, Dame's I'm, been largely overrated for the last decade. Understood. But I, I tend to agree with you that a 4-8 and eight finish this year will not feel nearly as satisfying, even if so. You know, I feel like a large group of fans were satisfied last year with 4-8. With and eight. Obviously, you didn't want to see the end of the year go the way it did, but you understood it. Dungey got hurt. You had beaten Clemson. You were close against Miami, close against Florida State. It felt like, all right, they're 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 right there to turn the corner. Now, if they go 4-8 and eight again this year, I think that's going to feel like a step back. And we've had this argument on the show before, this debate on the show before, that, that what would be better? You know, to go 6-6 six and six, beating... Average teams. So let's say this year they beat Western Michigan, Wagner, UConn, Pitt, Wake Forest, and BC. That's six and six. That gets you to a bowl game. And we've had this debate before. What's what's better to do that or to finish five and seven and to get one win over a brand name program? And in the past, I think it was a debate. I don't think it's a, bit a debate anymore. I think you take six and six, and that. That is not only the goal. I think to some degree it's becoming the expectation. I agree with you. I, I think that when you I think that when you are building your program, when you're early in a coach's tenure, you take the upset. Right? You take you take that big win. Like last year, you take that big win because let's face it, getting to a bowl game wasn't really on the table, right? Like we thought it might have been, but it it probably wasn't, right? And the first year Dino Babers was here, bowl game was not on the table. So you take that one big win. Now, like I, I feel like they should be at the point where a bowl game is firmly on the table. And if a bowl game is firmly on the table, you don't want to win less than six games. Like You want to get to a bowl game. So I think that now, at this point, you've got to look at it and say, I don't care if we don't get that big upset win. We had our viral moment. We had our huge win beating Clemson. Now we need to go get to a bowl game, and we need to advance this program. And I, I think that's how you have to look at it, right? And I'll be honest with you. The thing that concerns me about this schedule, I do think of the three years that Dino Babers has been here, I think this is the most manageable schedule in terms of, you know, yeah, LSU was on the slate last year. It's Notre Dame this year. But again, you know, to your point, Notre Dame has been largely overrated. The game is at Yankee Stadium. It's not like it's in South Bend. You know, would you be absolutely shocked if Syracuse won that game? I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I don't think there's a game on their schedule that you say they, they can't win that, maybe with the exception of Clemson at Clemson. Like, I, I don't see They're Syracuse game, right? going to Death Valley and beating Clemson at Clemson. I don't see that happening. So, But I do feel like all the other games, you wouldn't be shocked that they won. I mean, they beat Clemson last year at home. They beat Virginia Tech the year before. Right. So Florida State coming to town? Can Syracuse beat Florida State? Sure, why not? Sure, why not? On the flip side, the thing that concerns me, though, about this schedule is that, by and large, the toss-up games, the quote-unquote toss-up games, are on the road. Pitt, Wake Forest, Boston College. Those are three that, if they were all at home, you would say, all right, it's very reasonable to go 2-1. and one. Well, and that's why, and that's why, let's be honest, that's why next year becomes huge, right? Because next year you get the flip, and those are all at home. Right. And, like, 
I don't mean to just blow past the season because this season has the potential of being a bowl game. But when you're looking at what the breakout year for this program could be, it's next year, right? It's next year because you don't have Notre Dame on the schedule. You have no really tough non-conference game. And because Pitt, Boston College, and Wake Forest are all in your own building. And they were last year and you didn't win any of them. Like, you got to win those games. And that's the logical way to look at it. I think when fans look at it, they see, all right, year three under Dino Babers, Eric Dungey is a senior. He's your fourth-year starter. Yes, he's gone through some injury issues, but he's got a lot of experience under his belt. There is more talent in this program today than when Scott Schaefer left. This is the year that should be the breakout season. I understand the logic says to you, next year makes a lot more sense. It's more reasonable that next year is the year they get to six or seven wins. But I guess that's my point in bringing this up, Seth, is I feel like the fans are like, no, you know, okay, yeah, next year is next year. It's time to to win now and to get to six wins now. And a lot of the excuses that this program had, now, the, the excuse of the ACC is really, really good, that excuse still applies. Like, the, the ACC is the division that they are in, arguably the toughest division in college football. Yes. So that excuse applies. But a lot of the other ones... It's not a new coaching staff anymore. It's not a new system anymore. Not really Scott Schaefer's players anymore. Even if he was recruited, you know, even if he recruited some of these guys, they've now been playing under Dino Babers for three years. So a lot of those things are out the window. And, you know, it's not like you got a road trip to LSU on the schedule this year. Louisville does not have Lamar Jackson. Louisville's not as good. I think this schedule is more manageable. So I, I think... I think a lot of fans look at it like it's time to get to six wins. Time to get yeah. to a bowl game. No, and, right. and anything less than that, I feel like a majority of fans would be disappointed and and not satisfied with the season. And that hasn't been the case the last two years. And again, for good reason. They're trying to build this thing up. And for isn't the- that isn't that fair at this point? Like it I'm not saying that it puts a coach or a coaching staff on the hot seat. Not at all. But isn't it fair to be disappointed if you don't reach a certain point? Like, isn't it fair to be disappointed if you're not good enough to go 500? Yes. You know, like after after going three and nine, four and eight, four and eight, four and eight. Like, is it a, isn't it fair to say, hey, like let's get back to 500? Yes. Let's get back to a bowl game for the first time in forever. It's going to be five years. This is the like it's five years since they've gone to a bowl game. Isn't it enough to say, hey, like? We've been terrible for the last five years. There, it feels like there's momentum here. You've got a fourth-year starting quarterback. You've got a team that's in a system for a third straight year. Let's do something. Let's move. Right? I don't think like it's I, unrealistic at all. I think that's all. fair. I think, I think it's fair totally as well. reasonable. Yeah, I think it's fair as well. I don't think it's unrealistic at all to say, all right, time to win six games. Time to get to a bowl game. I mean, there are there are wins on this schedule. There are yes. there are six or seven wins on the schedule, and as we saw last year with Clemson, like there's there's no game that you could just write off. Now I don't think they're beating Clemson at Clemson, but the other eleven, I think everything else is on the table. I think six and six is very reasonable for this team at this stage. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Got to take another timeout. Back after this on ESPN Radio.